Welcome back or welcome to the Next Level Podcast. I'm your host, John Harris. And as always, we are brought to you by Apex Performance, the only training and development program for leaders in the security industry by security professionals for security professionals. And if you've been listening to us for a while, you know how we do it. Every week, we bring you different uh, leaders and uh, industry impactful individuals. And today will be no different. I'm super excited to be joined by Lindsay Martinez, the CEO of Badge Pass. And um, we're going to talk, we're going to have a, kind of a wide range conversation here today. She's going to tell us a little bit about kind of her background. Again, we always like to dive into the origin story of how folks get into the security industry our unique uh, past to be in, and then the impact that we're making today, learn a little bit more about the company and what they do and, and how she uh, you know, leads that organization, builds culture, uh, and how she's making her way through the security industry. So Lindsay, welcome to the program. Happy to have you. And, and let's dive right in and tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to where you are today. Awesome. Thank you, John. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, so a little bit about me and how I ended up in security. We joke about how nobody wakes up and dreams of just growing up and being in the security industry one day. I actually feel like I grew up in the security industry to a certain extent. So my mother owned a systems integrator out of Western New York um, called Lindstar. And so I actually did grow up kind of in the ID space and access control space, watching her sell photo ID systems and access control systems and build a business uh, in Western New York. And so that was always kind of something that intrigued me, of course, seeing her be a leader and grow a business. But I definitely said, I will never be in this industry. Like I'm not going to follow in her footsteps and I'm not getting into this. Like I'm going to do my own thing. And so I went to college in Ohio. I went to Xavier University. And when I graduated, I moved home and I was like, oh, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I wasn't going to stay in Buffalo, New York. I knew that. And so I was interviewing for jobs in DC and kind of all over the place and anything that was not in the security industry is pretty much my only requirement. It could be anything else. Um, and then this opportunity at Badge Pass came up and my mom was familiar with Badge Pass because at the time they were kind of a reseller of Badge Pass, just kind of a little bit here and there. And so she knew the owner of the company and she's like, this is a quality company. I feel like you would like them. It'd be a good opportunity for you to learn and kind of go do your own thing. And I said, in Mississippi, really? Like, do you, do you think that that would be good for me? I mean, I was 22. I just graduated from school and I was from Buffalo, New York and Mississippi seemed like a stretch. So I got on a plane and came down for an interview and I fell in love with it. Mm. And I don't really know how else to explain that because the interview was like a day and a half and I met everyone on the team and we were a totally different company then than we are now. We were much smaller and it was just like very tight knit group of people that worked here and I was like I don't know I got on the plane and by the time I landed in Buffalo I had made the decision that I was moving to Mississippi and I remember my mom picked me up at the airport and she said you're moving right and I said yeah <laughs> I I am and it was just I it was like a feeling that something was right and I needed to try it and I moved to Mississippi and started my career here I love that so what was the and you know, many of us who grow up so and and you don't want to do what your parents 
did, right? Or, you know, it, yeah. uh, and even if it wasn't forced upon, like my, you know, my father owned a like landscaping company. And, and so by the time I was 11, I was mowing lawns and like watering flowers and doing that. And like, I actually love doing that now. And I don't know if I want to do it for a, for a job, but the, I, I would always remember being like, I never like watching the entrepreneurial journey for my dad and my mom, they worked together for most of most of uh, uh, my childhood was like, I don't want to do that. Right. It like seemed so hard. Um, and now looking back and, 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 you know, working at a startup and and doing my own thing with Apex, like, I love it. And I see why you know, it was probably worth it. Um, what switched in you and saying, I, you know, I'm looking for anything but this and then ending up in the industry um, where, you, you know, where you were actively trying to avoid it. I think that part of why I wanted to not be in it was that I just didn't want to be in her shadow. Mm. And that was the biggest thing for me is I felt like uh, I want to just be my own person and do my own thing. And I don't want people kind of saying like, oh, that's, you know, Mary Jo's daughter everywhere I go. And so when I came to Badge Pass, the nice thing was I was working for a manufacturer. And so I was on kind of like a different side of the house almost where I could really separate myself from that. And she ended up being a customer for a while. She ultimately sold her business and retired and lives in Florida and everything's great. But it was, it gave me enough separation where I kind of still got to do my own thing. And then really, I mean, over time, I just established my own name in the space and felt like badge pass was my thing. And yeah. so I never, once I was in it, I couldn't even imagine doing anything else. And so then I never looked back. But I'm sure it helped putting some geographical distance between, right? If, yes. if you would have just said, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to work for X company in Rochester, right? Where it's like you're an hour away or something versus like, I'm going to move halfway across the country and and do something completely different. So um, so what was, uh, where, where did you, what kind of role did you start off in? I mean, now you're the CEO. Mm -hmm. uh, so where, 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 where did it all begin? So when I first came down here, I was essentially like a channel manager. And so we had, uh, we were starting to try to sell through some channel partners yeah. and our products were so different then. And it's funny when I look back on it and we were just starting to get into access control and ID and really sell those products through resellers across the country. And I was the one of the first to be kind of a channel manager there. And Lord knows I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I just figured it out and, uh, we grew the channel and then ultimately I was given opportunities to take on some of our direct sales side of the house. Um, and I branched into marketing and eventually ran sales and marketing. And as we grew an executive team, um, I moved into EVP position. And then last year I stepped into the CEO role. That's awesome. I, I think, you know, it, it shows the, the, the excitement of getting into a company kind of at, I don't want to say at the ground level because, you know, badge pass had been around before that you get in though. And like, um, you, you, I mean, you, you, your fingerprints can be all over it. You're a part of that development. You're, 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 um, impacting the culture of, of the company. So I, I want to talk to, about that a little bit because coming in and kind of, you know, not knowing anything about anything, you know, really as like, I, I don't want to sell, your experience short because I'm sure by osmosis you're watching what your mom's doing running that company like you get it like you mm -hmm. you more than most you probably have a decent understanding around like the, the lay of the land and the security um but here you are and 
I want to like be very transparent and open. You're a young woman in an industry dominated by old men. Mm-hmm. Um, even today, more so when you would have done, you know, started years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you work your way up from, you know, all these different roles. And along the way, um, I'm sure having an impact on the growth of, of Badge Pass and, and making it into what it is today. Um, would you mind exploring with us a little bit about that journey, about some of the challenges that you operated through as as you may have other folks? I, you know, I had someone on the podcast uh, a couple um, late last year, uh, Tristan, um, who, you know, similarly, like first job out of college, she jumps in, does like sales and marketing and like kind of, you know, figuring out her way in the world while also figuring out her way through the industry. Um, so, you know, how was that for you? And, 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 uh, maybe we'll start there. And then I have a couple of follow-up questions on, on, uh, on what that was like for you. So I guess I'll start with, let's just take it in the organization and you just kind of figuring it out and how to find your place. And I think that you're right. I was 22 and I thought I knew a lot more than I retroactively obviously knew. I mean, when I look back on it, I knew nothing. Um, And part of the thing that's great about young people who are getting in the industry is you should just have the confidence that you know stuff, like jump in like you do know stuff, but then admit it when you make a mistake and fall on your face because you didn't know something like, and just learn from it. Um, my, I think that my willingness to just dive in and try things because I really didn't even know what I didn't know is ultimately what helped me have new opportunities, uh, to grow in the organization. And even in the industry, I was like, never scared to show up to a meeting. Uh, didn't matter who was in the meeting. I, there, I was never intimidated by that. I think I was, I mean, I felt it but I never said no to it or shied away from it. So I, I joke all the time about, you know, walking into a meeting with a bunch of guys in Navy blazers. I mean, that's what you feel like when you're in ISC West. And so yeah. like, here's little Lindsay in like a, you know, bright pink dress and, you know, white tennis shoes, my signature look rolling in with, you know, 10 guys from Asa Abloy in suits and like, don't get me wrong. I love every one of our Asa reps. So if they're listening to this by any chance, like y'all are amazing, but that can be super intimidating, especially to, I mean, females and younger people. And sometimes you just have to own that and be there. Like, don't say no to the meeting. Like don't not show up. Um, Just kind of embrace that. And that would be, you know, the biggest thing that I would encourage young people to do is just take those opportunities I just got lucky. Like I did it and it worked itself out. And I learned a lot along the way as a result of being in those meetings. I mean, you don't even know the value that you get out of being in conversations that you really potentially don't deserve to be in probably. Um, But I was afforded the opportunity to be there and I took the opportunity and ran with it. I think, you know, I'd, I'd push back on your luck statement a little bit and say that luck is preparation and opportunity coming together uh, to create virtuous outcomes. And so, you know, you took a big chance moving down the Mississippi, uh, and then, and then you took a chance in believing in yourself and being your authentic self and showing up and not shying away from those big moments and, and, uh, you know, earn that right. I mean, sitting in in a CEO role now, it's obvious to me that, you know, that didn't happen by accident or by folks just saying, you know, you know, come along for the ride. We'll put you there. You have to put yourself in position to do that, which, which I think you've expressed. You know, in my opinion, that uh, you know, over and over again to go through and keep moving up through those roles. That that obviously you've done that. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, about 
you know, what, what connected us. So, so, so that, you know, kind of listeners know, um, we've had a lot of, um, of rise members on the show. And, um, and so rise for those who don't, who aren't aware of it and I'll, and I'll link to it in here. Um, so is, uh, SIA, the, um, trade organization for all of us who are service providers and technology providers, even end users can participate with SIA. Um, they have a, a young professionals emerging leaders group called rise, uh, and, uh, and they have an event called Accelerize, and, and you and I both participate. Uh, I've, I've been a part of Rise for a long time. Now that I'm on kind of the, the, the elder side of it, you know, it's kind of a, you know, uh, under 40 type group, and I'm not under 40 anymore. And so, so I'm, I'm an advocate and a huge supporter, but um, stepped aside from the organization and, and looking to impact in different ways nowadays. But we talked about, you sent a couple of your team members to Accelerize last year. You weren't able to go um, due to uh, schedule conflicts, said you're going to be there this year. You're, we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But one of the things you talked about was um, your folks came back and they were like, this is the first event we've been to that we feel like is a cultural fit. So before we explore that comment, tell me about how you as the leader, and even before coming in the CEO role, EVP, and before, I'm sure you led teams and you were part of the development, mm -hmm. you know, how have you impacted and structured the culture at Badge Pass? Again, in that, in an industry where showing up in a bright pink dress and, and your white mm -hmm. sneakers and being authentic, Lindsay can sometimes like, you know, maybe rub people the wrong way, maybe even inside your own company, um, so how have you, how, have, like, maybe we'll start first. What's the importance of culture for you and, and, at, and at Badge Pass? And then secondly, how have you facilitated and cultivated that culture? Culture, it might be one of the most important things that we work on as a company. Um, and it was so important. The, the owner of our business, when he stepped back as CEO, I mean, we talked for a long time when we were working on the transition of me moving into the CEO role about why me moving into CEO made sense because culture is so important to me. Um, I am so proud of the team that we have here and the culture that we've built. And it's like one of my biggest passions about the company is how freaking fun it is to work here. And so when people ask like, how have you been there for 14 years? Or, you know, how have you not like hopped around and tried other organizations? And part of that is because of the culture. And I think part of what drives the culture here is this feeling of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Hmm. And that's what always really like motivated me in the beginning days here at Badge Pass when I was younger, as I was like, we're building something really cool. And I'm a part of that. And I have a voice and I have an impact on that. And then giving that same voice and giving people, you know, inexperienced or not new team member, or you've been here for 25 years. There's plenty of people who've been here a lot longer than me. Right. Um, everybody's got a voice to contribute. And just that feeling of being a part of something bigger is really what I think helps drive our culture and helps encourage people to stay and want to be a part of that. Yeah, it it's uh it's really interesting how how today maybe more than ever that you know culture can become a competitive advantage and you you see um you know recently uh, you know there's a bunch of tech layoffs and the harshness in which people are getting separated from the business um again like you know business challenges create personnel challenges and these things happen um 
it, when, when I was laid off many years ago from my, you know, big corporate job that I had, um, it, it, it changed something in the way that I approach professional relationships, meaning my relationship with the company I work for that that matters most. And that's the first thing I seek out is like, is this a, is this going to be a cultural fit? And when it's not, if I find that it's not, I'm out. And, and, you know, one of the reasons, if you look at like, go look at my LinkedIn history and look at the first 10 years and the second, in the first 10 years, I say at the same place because comfort and, um, and fear of the unknown kept me in one spot, not culture. Um, when I was building my own culture and doing my own thing in those last three years like that, but when that was all changing, then I made the change. And then when that was all pulled out from under me, when, when I realized the culture wasn't a fit, then I, then I moved on. And so you can see the last five years, it's been, this isn't a good fit. I'm not going to wait around and, and kind of give myself uh, up to, to like, I'm going to move and, and ultimately, you know, also start my own thing so that um, if something changes and, and the culture changes, which I may or may not be able to control, then, you know, I'm never going to be at the behest of someone, someone else. But as long as that culture is kept intact, and like you said, if you have folks who've been there, you've been there for 14 years, there's people who've been there longer than you, you know, mm -hmm. that's quite a career. And so, especially at, at smaller companies, keeping that core of people intact, keeping that, that kind of like intellectual um, knowledge around so that, you know, you can keep things moving is, is really important. Now with that, you have, you're bringing in new people, right? You're, you're, you're keeping those folks who have been there for decades, Mm -hmm. Um, how do you create a culture that helps span that generational, uh, uh, variance that you're going to have of folks who are, who have been there for three, four decades and folks who are like you were 14 years ago, right out of college, um, who maybe care about different things, who are incentivized by different things. They want to work differently. Like how do you as CEO, and you're looking across, you know, your, your entire organization, um, create both a culture and a workplace that that spans that that variability. To me, the the way we really work hard at trying to do it, and I mean, no organization is perfect. So we, I could have someone who hears this and they're like, we don't do that at all. I hope that's not the case. But uh, I think it's about having people have buy in into mm -hmm. like the vision and the strategy and what we're doing. So we try to be like very open and communicative with everybody on the team about here's what we're doing and why we're doing it, and here's where we're going and how you're a part of it. And we love to change stuff. Um, part of what makes BadgePass cool is because we're smaller and more agile as an organization, we can adapt to stuff quickly. We can make changes quickly. It's what's really fun about being here is what's challenging. But if you're not comfortable with a lot of change, mm. it can be a lot. Like it can feel overwhelming sometimes. And we're down to change something and then be like, well, that didn't work. Let's change it again. Um, and that doesn't, I don't lose sleep over that because part of that is fun to me. Like, well, yeah. we'll try something new. If it doesn't work, we'll try something new. Um, and that's, you know, part of strategy and growing as an organization. But for, I know that not everybody in the company feels that way. And the, some people who've been here a really long time have already endured a lot of change as the organization has gotten to the point where it is now. And they may be a little bit tired of all the constant change. So what we try to do is by communicating why the change is important and how it fits into the big picture and where we're headed as a company. I hope that that helps people 
feel better about it. So even if you're like, man, we're changing something again, uh, you're like, okay, I get why that's happening. And I get what my specific contribution is and how I'm helping, you know, with the big picture strategy, rather than like, I'm just over here doing my job and I don't know what this means or why they're up there doing this. And so I think the more we communicate and have, you know, just good open dialogue with everybody where everyone's bought in, the better the whole culture is across every generation. Yeah, I, spot on. And and I think, you know, if you if you actually take a step back and you look at, you know, I, I've been, uh, I think, fortunate to have worked for a wide array of companies and sizes. And um, and it's all of flavors of 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 ice cream, right? It's it's all the same thing. It's just different flavors of it. When I was at a huge, you know, global conglomerate of 120,000 employees, like it changed constantly. It just, it was so big, it felt less disruptive because, because you know, massive battleships take a long time to move, but it was constantly being told, go left, go right, go left. And it was just like, while you were course correcting, you were there like, okay, now go right again, right? Whereas when you're a smaller company, you're still the the timing of the changes, but you can adapt faster, in my opinion, which uh-huh. can be good or bad, right? To your so when you can move quick, it can be a whipsaw. And folks can be like, Oh, come on, Lindsay. Like we just yesterday we said this and now we're doing this. And it's like, but I think the secret sauce that you've identified is that when you say, Hey, we're gonna try this and we're gonna try it for this period of time, and like if we know it doesn't work we'll try something different and we won't get married to an idea just because we had it, which can be more problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all to say that like, there's no perfect way to do it. It's being, I think, open, you know, John Harris's, you know, unrequested opinion on the matter is, <laughs> you know, I would reiterate and agree with what you said is just, if you're, if you're open to listen and try new things and then when they don't work, adjust, or if they don't work perfectly, tweak, and then rinse and repeat. I mean, that's that's really when you see companies that are successful um, over the long term, sustained success over a long period of time. Um, that's that's the magic, right? And I think you know, I I I also do a lot of work with with athletes and in sports, and it's the same thing when you look at great successful programs collegiate athletes, um, NFL teams, NBA teams, whatever. Um, it's culture and it's processes, but in this day and age, it's also willingness to change and try new things and adapt, um, but keep your core values you know, the same. I think that's where you see, you know, recent example, Alabama and Nick Saban, you know, he has a culture that he did the same way at Alabama over and over and over again. The way he ran plays, the way he ran defense, the the different people he brought in, that changed because the, the the game changed. So he adapted to it, but he never stopped doing his way, which wasn't necessarily the way that the game was played. It was just the way that the culture was run. Mm-hmm. So in Mississippi, that probably Alabama, maybe like, I don't know how much college football person, you know, I know that's, that's maybe not the right example. Hopefully, it's okay. It's not that uh, controversial here. We have like two <laughs> Alabama fans in the company. <laughs> Fantastic. So, well, let's let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk more about Badge Pass as a company. Um, yeah. You know, let's let's educate the listeners on, um, you know, what do you guys do? Maybe maybe a little bit about what you've done in the past because you've mentioned a few times that like you you've kind of 
starting to move into a you know into the security industry in a different way that you have it before maybe it's more um been a a priority for you that it hasn't been in the past so tell us a little bit about the company um where it came from where it is now and where you're looking to go absolutely so we're a software company first and foremost and we really build software to help bridge the gap between identifying a person and ultimately managing what they do and we're new to the security industry in that I think we're just becoming more of a presence and trying to build more of a presence there, but we're not new to existence. So we're not like a startup or anything like that. We've been around really since like 76 uh, as multiple different companies. We didn't start writing software in 76, um, but we have changed our business a lot. We were a systems integrator back in the day before we started writing our own software solutions. And so we've kind of just evolved over time. We had um, a legacy on-prem product. We actually at one point had purchased a campus card system um, called Total Card that's done, manages like meal plan privileges and permissions and transactions on college campuses. So we have tons of experience in how people utilize badges and transactions and activities in all environments, um, colleges probably being where they use them for the most things. Uh, and then BadgePass One is really our flagship project, our product, and that's our software as a service platform, uh, cloud first, um, and that's built around the concept of we give you the ability to issue your badges easily, and then ultimately manage any other activities you want to do with that. Um, the first activity being a door, uh, managing a door access, something like that. Um, so we are really just trying to be more active in the security space than we have before so you mentioned sia previously like i'm that's how we got connected i'm trying to be more involved in sia personally and have our company be more involved and we've always kind of been on the sidelines uh, because we never really were an access control company we still really aren't I and mean, we don't see ourselves that way or identify that way um we kind of came from id if you will mm -hmm. um and so that's a different approach than what a lot of security companies identify with, they'll be like, oh, ID's an afterthought. That's not really part of what we do. Whereas for us, it's the start of what we do and how we work with customers and what we encourage our channel partners to do uh, with a customer is, is the greatest way to grow with a customer is to start with them from the ground up. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. I think the it, it's an interesting, you know, subset of of the total end-to-end -end security operations you know access control solution when you think about the ecosystem of you know most people think about the badge reader slash controller the front-end solution the the access management and then kind of id and credential control being this kind of like subset sidecar thing to that um and a lot of times it gets buried under that and there's and and so you know, having a purpose-built solution that's that's just doing that, mm -hmm. um, I think is really valuable and something again for you know the type of consumers that that you and I were talking about um, offline. You know, K through twelve, higher ed, SMB, like maybe commercial real estate. Like you know, there's a we we have a tendency of building solutions for the enterprise security. Like my solution that we do at Hivewatch is is kind of top down, meaning we built it for um, the pain that we used to have, the, our, our founder and, and myself and a couple others, as the enterprise security director, you know, GSOC, you know, those kind of global enterprise, because, um, you know, it's a great market, there's a lot of, you know, legacy stuff there, it works really well for us. You look at the, the market as a totality, though, it's a 
there's way more of the other type that I just mentioned than there are of those big enterprise customers. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we've reinvented ourselves over the last couple of years to kind of scale down into the market and have solutions that really are a good fit for a multitude of, of other persona types. And, you know, you know, I feel like what you're doing off is coming up from the other way of saying like, you know, we started here and, and not only, and you could make a, uh, a hell of a growth development just by that that group we've just discussed but then ultimately you know there's a play for that larger customer who's like hey i just need something to manage my identities and manage that and and, and kind of take that section out of these other pieces and parts that i'm that i'm doing um so so that's fine like so what are your as you're looking at like the next chapter for you guys like what mm -hmm. what excites you about your you know you're getting into the industry more a little bit more deeply you're getting off the sidelines you're interacting with you know some some key players um what excites you in 2024 and beyond for the future of, of badge pass so one we have some really cool stuff on the horizon from a product development standpoint that i'm excited about uh, and so I think that's going to be kind of a game changer for our customers. Um, but two, we're working on building our channel partner community. And so I say community because we have really done a good job with our existing channel partners of kind of just treating them like part of the team. Mm -hmm. That's always kind of been our motto and how we've gone to business with them. And so that's also probably why in the security space, we've been kind of like a well-kept secret because we've been very loyal to our partners and they're very loyal to us. Um, but as we need to kind of grow in areas where we don't have partners this year, a big focus of ours is finding new ones and kind of expanding our footprint throughout the country. And so I'm excited about that. Um, those are really kind of our two big initiatives this year, make the product awesome. So our customers are excited about it and grow our partner community. I love that. I love that. Um, so Maybe to uh, one of the topics I want to make sure we get to, because this was something that you and I talked about and and uh, we had some interesting dialogue around is one of the things that's becoming very, very, um, uh, I think, you know, interesting and and uh, broadly talked about is the, you know, is the advent of the mobile credential. It's not new. It's not novel. It's been around for 10 years. Um, the real breakthrough recently in the last you know year or two was Apple Wallet opening up NFC and and that kind of um created a gold rush of of sorts um i for one am am of the mindset of that the physical credential the badge or the key or the fob or whatever um is not going to go away anytime soon and, and I want to tug on that thought process with you a little bit, because I have some friends in the industry uh, that, you know, rabble rouse and are like mobile, mobile, everything, it solves all problems. Um, so what say you to that around, uh, you know, get out with the, you know, throw away the old stuff. It's unsecure. No one uses it. That's your grandpa's access control. Embrace the new age. Grab your iPhone or your Android, get it in your wallet and uh, and and all your security problems will go away. <laughs> okay, well, that's a, that's a very aggressive stance on it. Um, and I like it. So I, of course, am team badges are not going away anytime soon, uh, for a whole variety of reasons. But let's just start with it isn't one or the other. Okay, it doesn't have to be physical badge or mobile badge. Like the, why, why we use the word or is silly to me, like they can be complements to one another. And I think when you were touching on how people build software systems, and how they think about the enterprise first approach. 
as opposed to how we kind of look at the market. I think you've got the same thing happening with mobile. When you look at a large corporation or something like that, that's a great fit for a privately held organization, or you said like residential or something like that. Those people would love to use their mobile device to open doors. That's very practical. I could see this. Um, not to mention it could be an organization where everybody's issued a device as part of like their employment. That makes sense. Take that down and let's let's go down to like K through 12 schools. That's a primary vertical where we do a, a large majority of our business. We've completely lost the story. I mean, it, it's so impractical on so many levels to say that it would be all mobile that we're we're just talking about something silly at this point. So the physical badge is important for so many reasons. I'll start with primarily just visual security, first and foremost. And that's one of the components of a mobile badge that I think we're losing. And sure, you could say that there's complements to each other where maybe you just have one for visual security, but you can't get rid of it. Um, we actually had a school district last week that had a security incident where somebody got on a bus posing as a new student uh, and I mean, adults look like high schoolers, high schoolers look like adults. This is, this is, could easily happen and got to the school, but because the school had implemented a policy where all students wear visual IDs at the front door, he was easily immediately approached by somebody in the building saying, Hey, where's your ID? And he didn't have one. And he, he was stumbling through not having good answers about why, of course, he was uncomfortable and turns out he was arrested and he'd been arrested before. And so they got him off the grounds and the security risk was alleviated. And it was that easy because he wasn't wearing a student ID. And I get that that's not like a catch-all solution or anything like that. It's just one facet in a whole approach to security, but it's a very, very cost-effective and easy thing to implement. And it has tons of benefits. And I think when we overlook that, we're fooling ourselves. Like we can't just replace that immediately. Students aren't going to have a mobile device, not to mention, what am I going to do? Like walk around like this, like, Hey, here, this is who I am. I'm Lindsay. Yeah. I, I mean, and I come from, uh, again, a, you know, a high security space uh, where it was a cleared facility where um, you couldn't even bring phones in certain areas and, and you had to have a badge for, for certain visual perspectives. And um, you know, I, I, I love the way you put it. It doesn't have to be a or it's an and and it's a complementary technology. And, and and again, like I I will I you know I will be the first one to to admit around like the the uh, security challenges with Wigan and protocol and one two five kilohertz and the whole nine. I get all that. I understand it all. From a practical security practitioner perspective, though, if you're relying on that as your single point of your security, you don't know what you're doing. And so if you are an actual security practitioner who's applying security in depth and processes and protocol and people in addition to your technology, then you can make the right fit for where it works. But it's just, I liken it to thinking about uh, machine learning and computer vision and AI and just saying, well, we got some of that stuff. And so throw it in there, sprinkle some mobile in there. And like, now we're embracing new technology. It has to be like, what end game are you trying to um, create. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you're in a place like, you know, commercial real estate's a great example or multifamily where the, the user experience needs to be high end, right? So a lot of those places, it's very concierge, same thing with hospitality, like totally makes sense because mm -hmm. you're not, you're not checking who I am when I come in outside of me 
like nowadays when I go, I mean, I'll go to a hotel um, next week. Well, this will air. I will be on my way back when this airs. But the, the, the week of this episode, I will be in L.A. and I'll go in a hotel and never have to talk to somebody if I don't want to. And and uh, because the the security parameters around that are different, right? They just like, here's the room. It's locked or not locked. They can be on your mobile. You can get a card. It doesn't matter, right? Um, so so I don't know. It 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 troubles me when it has to be kind of like if you're not doing it, you're stupid, and if you're not doing mobile, you know, you're being left behind. Um, I think that's extremely short sighted. You're absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Like the experience does need to be higher end in some places. Like that was a perfect way to say it. But you know what the experience needs to be in the majority of places? Easy. And while I agree that the mobile experience can be easy, it is still very complicated. I mean, we all know like there's hardware limitations. There's also cost limitations. And I think that we have kind of avoided talking about that when we talk about the simplicity of it. It It is relatively expensive and it's limiting in that not everybody has a device that they can have a mobile badge on. I mean, you said you couldn't even carry a badge or a carrier phone in hide certain areas and government facilities. I mean, a lot of government employees, like county government officials, stuff like that, like they don't have a, a device that they're allowed to put applications on or a mobile badge or something like that. So there's tons of reasons why it's not the perfect fit for everybody, but I do love it. I think it's, I think it's very cool. And I think that mobile is a great complement to a physical badge and an overarching, you know, security approach that includes some sort of visual ID. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, and so as we, as we kind of wrap things up here and, and close things out, one of the things I want to maybe come back to is, you know, you, you've got a unique perspective of both knowing the industry as a young person from the outside coming in, being, you know, around it as a family member, coming into it as a young age, working your way up various different roles in a business, and now being in a CEO role. What would you, what advice, maybe a two-part question, what advice would you give to that 22, three, four-year-old version of yourself um, to, uh, you know, if you had to do it all over again, is there anything you do differently? And what advice would you give to yourself? Maybe start there and then I'll have a follow-up question. I would probably just say, be less intimidated, just own mm-hmm. it. I did a better job of it as I got older. So somehow in my mind, I had thought that like 30 was this number where then I would be taken seriously. I don't know. I can't explain this to you. I don't have any reason for this, but somehow in my mid twenties, I was like, when I'm 30, that's when everyone will take me seriously. That's so silly. But uh, if I had felt the same way about myself that at 30, you know, at 24 that I did at 30, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I thought eight years of industry experience at this point, like everyone's like, oh, you're an adult, but just own it, have confidence and kind of just embrace it. Like, except, Hey, yeah, I'm 22 or I'm 24 and I'm new here, but I'm passionate. I'm enthusiastic. Like I'm here to learn and I have stuff to contribute even at a younger age or at my experience level. And then in addition to that, is there anything different from that, that you would tell yourself that you would advise or guidance that you would give to that, that young person, um, in the, either in the industry who's been in for a few years trying and, and kind of trying to find their way or looking for what's next or or someone who uh, is brand new 
uh, and and either way, trying to find their way, their path, and maybe not even in the industry, but just in general, right? You're a young person, you're you're um, you're at a company, you're trying to figure things out. Um, you know, what advice would you give to someone in in you know who who is like you were then? And I, I guess anything expanding on what you just said or anything different than you just said. So one, one, I've had a lot of conversations with younger people and my sisters are a lot younger than me. So sometimes I'll talk to their friends and I'll hear conversations about things where there's a lot of like questioning your employers that happens or like mistrust or unease about your employers somehow in a, the younger generation that I don't think used to exist. I don't know. We can maybe thank TikTok for this or something. I don't know. Um, but part of me thinks like if you have if you're not sure about why something's happening or you think you know something about why your company's doing something or why don't you just ask instead of making up a story in your mind about like oh they're they're out they're doing this to you know do wrong by all of us all the employees or like they changed this policy because they want us to not be happy here i guarantee most employers want their people to be happy there like i do not think that most people who run a business wake up in the morning thinking like, how can I make my employees miserable? That would be so silly. And so I think that everybody just struggles with communication and probably the bigger a company gets, the harder it is to convey, here's why we're doing stuff. And I mean, we have to work hard at it and we're still a smaller company. So I would encourage young people to just ask, like inquire if you're, if you want to know stuff, like ask and try to get involved in stuff in the company. Like and then still, if you're not, if you end up not being happy there, or the culture's not a right fit for you, sure, then you can move on. But don't just assume things are, you know, one way without being involved or trying new things within the organization or asking your manager or other people and stuff like that. Um, because you can grow within a company without necessarily having to move to other ones if you try and put in the work and if it's the right fit for you. Again, if it's, if it's some toxic culture or something like that, then sure, get out of there. That's great advice. And I, and I think the, the, the takeaway there, in my opinion, is, you know, be a part of the solution that you're, you're wanting to see, you know, be the change and at least try uh, and, and, and assume positive intent. To your point, you know, I don't think mm -hmm. for most people in this world, they're not waking up saying, I'm going to make people's life miserable today. Uh, usually that's a, a byproduct of unforeseen um, second, third degree outcomes of decisions that are made without thinking of thrill. Uh, and so getting that feedback, I mean, a lot of times, and I see this at my company too, we're, you know, we're a smaller company and we're so busy that when leadership will ask like, hey, how's it going? Tell us how things are, give that feedback. People are like, it's fine. Right? You're just like plowing ahead. And so, you know, leadership has to find ways to be intentional with that uh mm -hmm. with that feedback acquisition and then we as as employees or our you know especially for young people providing constructive feedback in a way um and then i know like the reciprocating part of that that i think about as 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 leadership is don't be offended when someone's asking you well why are we going to do it why are mm -hmm. we doing it that way um, because if they're asking, it means I failed to communicate effectively because when I communicate myself, it should, I should say, and this is why we're doing that mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that it comes across in a way that can be easily received and that they still don't get it. Um, it's my job to resolve that. And then if it's less of a, I, I don't understand versus I don't agree, 
then that then that discussion evolves and becomes something slightly slightly different. Uh, but I love that concept of you know get in the game, be a part of it, help move the needle, um, you know contribute, create, you know do things to make it the place that you want to be. Again, if if it's this like cesspool of cultural negativity, that might be harder. But you can still design like your little bubble of influence. I always say there's three things we control in this world: uh, effort, energy, and attitude. And if you're focusing on those things, trying hard each day, having a good attitude um, and, and bringing positive energy, then that's going to go a long way in, in and of itself. Um, yeah, yeah. So where can people find people are interested about uh, about badge pass? They want to learn more about it. They want to learn more about you, what you guys do, your product. Where can they find you? You can find us on our website, badgepass.com. We're also all over LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure that our marketing team has us on TikTok now. So Lord knows you can find us there. Instagram, we're we're everywhere. So give us a look us up. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, I'm I'm so glad we had the opportunity to sit down and talk. I'm excited to see you know what continues to become of badge pass as you guys grow and and create a greater impact and connect in the security industry and uh and you know thanks again for sharing your story with us and and being a part of uh, what we're trying to do yeah i had a blast thanks so much for having me john awesome let's go do great things yeah.